everyone. Happy belated Canada Day. Happy almost 4th of July. And welcome to the Iron Cannon Podcast, your home on the Star Wars Underworld Podcast Network for in-depth discussion on lore, the High Republic, and the whole canon of the galaxy far, far away. My name is Matthew, and I'm coming to you from the New Underworld North studio in Toronto. And as always, I'm joined across the continent by your friend and mine, Mr. Joel Davis. A very happy belated birthday to you, most importantly, uh, as well. Uh, how are you doing this week? I'm doing great, and I realized I didn't send out the callings of this episode. Um, I I was not sure to do it on Twitter because of the Twitter imploding, but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, can, I can still do it on the Discord, which you should go. Yeah, click the that's link. all right. I'll uh, yeah. While while you do that, I'll I'll tee up the episode and and get going here. Um, yeah, and and we'll get to where you can find us on Twitter in a minute. In a in a short minute. Uh, this week. We're talking about the George Lucas vision, quote unquote, scare quotes, whatever the George Lucas vision is. It is a term we throw around a lot. And admittedly, uh, some do legitimize our Star Wars over your Star Wars over others. This is what George Lucas intended, etc. Uh, my Star Wars is the best Star Wars. My Star Wars is George Lucas Star Wars, right? Um, and so, <laughs> it, yeah, there, there are some concerning uses of the term, but it still might be an important and useful concept especially if you're clear on what you mean by it. So we're going to do just that or try to do just that. Before we do that, be, you know, do just be clear on what we're talking about. Before we do that, uh, get into the plugs. As mentioned, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at IronCannonPod, E-Y-E-O-N-C-A-N-O-N-P-O-D over on Twitter. Um, yeah, and Joel, you got a lot of good good Twitter conversations going. I, I was recently at the uh, for my day job, the parent company, um, they're, they're kind of headquarters there. Really interesting mural just of the Marshall McLuhan quote, quote, the medium is the message. And thought, oh, yeah, nice. I'm going to take a shot of that and post it on our, uh, our Iron Cannon Instagram. And, and just because that has been a guiding theme through us throughout this podcast is the way different media, different technologies, storytelling technologies change the story and communicate different things. And so, uh figured put that up on instagram um joel let us know about uh discord yes you can of course follow us at the sw discord uh where we have movie nights and game nights we are in the middle of a vote for the next game night um which will be held on friday july 7th voting closes july 6th uh so vote now vote now vote now for the uh for the for the game which we will play um and of course you can there's lots of chatting fun mm -hmm. all around good vibes at the sw discord link in the description below um yeah i love it's, democracy it's so much fun there um also here on the the star wars underworld youtube channel if you're on the youtube channel uh we get youtube memberships and super chats please do support the channel we'll get the comments uh especially if your comments if they're super chat um thanks of course for following on the underworld facebook on iron cannon twitch and twitter and underworld twitter as well uh thanks for all those watching that um joel let me know are, are you good to go with, with the discussion yeah i'm good to go it? all right yeah all i'm right. good to go good that, to that go. is being spread abroad to the internet uh <laughs> i mean we can dive right in um yeah, this week in Star Wars is, is some other uh, film franchise that I admittedly don't watch too much, but 
a big crossover because you know it's a, this guy named George Lucas. He did this other property uh, involved in Lucasfilm called Indiana Jones, and I just saw it this afternoon. Uh, Joel, you saw it uh, this weekend, I believe. Uh, so yeah, wh wh yeah what did you think of my birthday? You saw it, oh yeah, you saw it on your birthday. Nice. So for your birthday, uh, what do you think of Indiana Jones oh. on the Dial of Destiny? And the Dial of Destiny. Oh, I loved it, man. I I had a blast. Just kind of just fun classic indie adventures. Lots of Nazi punching. Lots of action. I loved the way the bad guy loses. Um, my 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 weird Star Wars connection is like, let me kind of watch this to be like the plot of the Filoni film, like. Ron uses the world, the world to travel in time, and the, like it would just be funny, like to kill the emperor so he can become the emperor. But then he gets washed away, and like the ancient Sith Lord and Lord is like, I'm in the wrong time period, and then <laughs> as a mental breakdown, and like, womp, womp. oh, that, I'm sorry, I just spoiled some of the movies. Yeah, well, you know, it's okay. yeah, I, I just love that final <laughs> moment where the Nazis like, yeah. oh shit, I screwed up, continent. Yeah drift and from planetary drift in star wars um but no i i had fun it was good it was just a fun indie movie what can i uh, an indie movie uh, what can I it's, it's, it's indie not i-n-d-i-e i-n-d-y <laughs> yeah exactly i i just thought it was fun i, I love indie so yeah yeah i mean the, i was surprised at how much it stuck to all the the tropes of just you know the side characters and the mcguffin I mean, it's called the Dial of Destiny, the MacGuffin's in the name. I guess Indy always has a MacGuffin in it. Um, again, I admit, I've only seen three of the four previous four, one, four films once. Uh, have I seen all four of them? I don't even know. Uh, but so it's not what I, I track into it, but I, I kind of am aware of what, what Indy is. And yeah, I appreciate I mean, if you read Dr. Afra, she's kind of got those vibes a little bit. Um, yeah, and yeah, it was, it was a fun film. Really interesting way of incorporating character moments. And uh, yeah, you know, and, I'll just say, speaking yeah, of Doctor yeah. Afra, if Phoebe mm -hmm. Waller Bridge weren't white and British, she'd make a good Afra. She were, I, you know, she, she got the vibe. Of, yeah, well, now that you mention it, I mean, yeah, Helena Shaw, her character, very Afra, uh, very much the. I think I'm in it for myself, but turns out I actually care. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who knew? Um, I think I think Afra's a little more. Oh no, she's got some wit to it too. Uh, Helena Shaw has some wit to it, wit to her too. So, and sardonic wit. Um, you know, Afra they take the time to explore the the romantic vibes with her, which they didn't really do with with Helena. Oh, this is fine. Um, the focus was on Indy with his uh, his character, why his marriage to Marion breaks up very much. There are a lot of parallels to Force Awakens. Uh, Dom and Kareem were mentioning that while I was watching it with them. Mentioning that, um, another thing that they do, and this will get into, excuse, maybe segue into our news section here, uh, joining the podcast area. James <laughs> Mangold. This is directed by James Mangold, um, who, uh, yeah, it, you know, just in the fold, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, he, he doesn't, I, I was able to enjoy the film as a standalone as is i had a, you know, a sense of what uh what indiana jones is but there weren't any kind of ah, i see nod references fan service to it it was definitely clearly depending a little bit on the, what came before but not so much that it limited the story and this gets to 
this yeah, news here during the Pakistan unless you want to chime in on that yeah indie's interesting it's not yeah. like the original trilogy it's like it's an ongoing story indie films are very standalone they jump around yeah yeah it's it's, it's funny though that last crusade king crystal fall and this kind mm-hmm. of have an arc because it's sort of like here's indie at one point then here's indie kind yeah. of in the middle of his life and here's indie kind of as an older man so it's like yeah. there's definitely a arc of age going on but uh there's definitely continuity uh, i will say that yeah, yeah for sure uh, but yeah, that gets us to segue. James Van Gold. Hey, he's doing a Star Wars film eventually one day. Race oh. side rule. Race side rule for me is uh, when it's I guess maybe six p.m. on the Thursday or the Friday, maybe eleven a.m. on the Friday. Buy the Fandango tickets. That's my yeah. Or you know, by the yeah. Well, no, for me it's forget the the Cineplex ticket. It's you know eleven six eleven a.m. on the Friday. Uh, I've got my my pulled pork poutine, and I'm in the theater in this sitting in the seats. Uh, the race had rules. It's midnight, and she's got her popcorn. But um, you know, especially the writer strike and everything going on. Uh, you know, who knows what the state of Star Wars movie films are? Great to know Lucasfilm can actually finish a film, <laughs> start and finish a film. Uh, good to see that. But uh, yeah, James Mangold, he's doing this the the dawn of the jedi film and uh he spoke to happy side confused podcast on how the film came to be uh, a little bit of a nod to our not a nod but a little bit of a, a connection to what we we're saying about eras and chicken and egg and in terms of what uh you know depending on references and fan service and things we talk about a lot on here on this uh podcast things we enjoy and we enjoy references and fan service but um this is James a long, a long, lengthy James Mangold quote uh, on the the, the Happy Side Confused podcast. Oh, I can read it. Sorry, the Happy Side Confused podcast. I quoted in the Bestman Bulletin. I'll read it out. Uh, when I talked to the Star Wars clerics, I like Star Wars clerics that keep track of all those timelines, I was like, "So when would this have happened?" And they said, "25 thousand years before Episode One." I was like, "Oh, I was looking for distance, but that's distance. I'll do it." I might find Charlton Heston in an abandoned subway station with some vapes, but I'll do it. But the reality for me was that feeling of space, not pun intended, pun not intended, but apropos was something that I felt was really important. Not to get away from fan service or the intricacies of what George Lucas had set up and dreamed of, but just have the space to tell a story and not be instantly encumbered by the bases that you have to it, or with the biases, bases, bases, I don't know. Uh, honestly, there's no other way to explain it to other, to folks other than to say it's like that game we played as kids, Twister, not playing as kids in the playground, Twister. At a certain point, you're in a tangle because you're just kind of trying to find a way to tell a story with so many constraints that you can't. And that's, I mean, that's the classic problem with these franchises. Uh, you know, you, you have to cover, cover all the bases. That's what's really nice about going so far back in the past. Charlton Heston abandoned subway. Charlton Heston, you know, on on a mountain with uh, the the sea parting, um, you know, biblical epic. Uh, yeah, yeah, you, you don't have to. You can he can bring in any kind of references you want. Dom was saying today, it might be uh, anyway, it might be like the origin of something we know, but he's free to Mangold is free to do what he wants. The story group is free to maybe point out, hey, suggest something, but. You know, figure if it works in the story. Uh, sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, long weekend. Um, 
what Joel, you brought this quote up. What what spoke to you about this quote? I mean, I just kind of it spoke to kind of where we were asking ourselves, you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg, the air or the story. It mm. seemed like Mengold at least wanted some distance from, you know, the yeah. the continuity of everything that came before. I didn't want to be like, oh, I you know, I don't want to have to you know, deal with the fact like, oh, the Clone Wars is happening. So Anakin's here and Count Dooku's yeah. there and Ahsoka's here and they're here and everybody, everybody all at once. Um, you know, he wanted some distance and it's like, hey, how far back can we go for something like this? And the tour group's like, uh, we got 25,000 years. That's kind of where we've more or less got some basic notes of that's when the Jedi started. Like, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, you know, it's like, he's even mentioned like, is the word Jedi even going to be in this film? Are there going to be lightsabers? Are they going to be using sticks? Epic sword fighting with sticks. I don't know. You know, it's yeah. like, um, you know, that is, I mean, this film is the one that I think is kind of again, this is the one that is the most interesting out of the three they've they've announced, and hopefully they get done because yeah. they're like, you know, it, it's canon. It is the most canon. It is canon, but you know, there's going to be no iconography. Maybe not even the word Jedi because if it's the founding of the Force or the Order or something like, mm -hmm. well, what are we going to call ourselves? The the the, the magic wavy people. Um, the Jedi, uh, no, the Jedi, Jedi the what the, the who's it's what's it you know it's like <laughs> there's no stormtroopers there's nothing like really grounded in Star Wars outside yeah. of maybe when someone finally builds a lightsaber it's like oh yeah it's one of those things um, <laughs> so it's sort of like kind of that it's canon it connects but so far removed that it doesn't connect to anything outside of the history of Star Wars so it's yeah. the most important Star Wars thing but there's also no kind of something that you can ground in Star Wars outside of, like, look, they're the Rodian. Or look, yeah. they're the Nemoidian. Like, maybe an alien in the background, but, like, I don't know, I just found it interesting. I found it interesting that's Mangle's approach to this coming into it. Like, I want distance. How much distance can you give me? Well, that's a lot of distance. I'll take yeah. it. <laughs> so. <Yeah. coughs> no, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm wondering if, well, first of all, we might not have iconography. We might have the origins of some iconography. We might have, we might have like that prime Jedi. What you know that's used even in publishing now, or not, or publishing in the official Lucasfilm thing we banner we saw last week of what is the dawn of the Jedi era, um, the prime Jedi symbol. Maybe we see something, even if it is, the characters don't explicitly name it. It is a visual medium, but yeah, it's not explicitly there. I wonder if. This is going to be this film is going to be the most the clearest example of uh, era and story era making possible story making certain story possible. What I mean by that is, uh, yeah, what he's talking about being untangled, being free to be so far back that, uh, but also so different, right? There's got to be a clear sense that things aren't advanced. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe there isn't even space travel. Maybe there isn't even, uh, you know, droids or, you know, certain parts of holograms or who knows what because it's so different. But there's got to be something that connects, something that we can latch on to that is, isn't just any other film. It's still a Star Wars film. It's just a Star Wars story. It's just that it's free to be part of this, but also... You know, it, you're uh, this linear thing. It is the origins. It is what is, you know, like I talk about how High Republic is. This is what it was, and this is what it will be. The High Republic, High Republic is intentionally constrained. 
they want to be constrained. That's part of the genius of it, uh, both internally and with its beeline to Order 66. Yeah, this is, you know, internally, I don't know, maybe, I mean, maybe there is some seed of Jedi corruption already ingrained in it because maybe it's just part of who they are. We don't know, but yeah, it is definitely a fascinating quote. Um, one thing that'll be interesting is, as I don't know, well, before we do that, do you have any, any further thoughts on, on this mangled quote? No, I just, I just think it's really interesting and yeah. cool and kind of, I think when he mm -hmm. says the Star Wars clerics, I think he just means the Star group. Yeah, no, I just, I, I like, that's how I think uh, of them, the Star Wars Magisterium. Uh, <laughs> there we go. I, just, um, I found that one funny, but yeah. Uh, so, so I've been speaking of things being linked and uh, it being recognizable as Star Wars because the thing that's going to be is is the Force and uh, people connected to Force. being connected to the Force. Captain Kennedy, uh, being Games Radar, said um, pointed out a possible link between the the James Mangold Dawn of the Jedi film and the Ray film, whatever that's going to be called. Uh, speaking of Games Radar, she said that the Ray film will be at the heart of creating the new Jedi Order. So to get a real sense of where that might have began with the Dawn of the Jedi in the Mangold film could be really cool. That there's almost an intentionality of having the two of them put up side by side. The, uh, you know, clearly, I think she means on the surface, the origins and the new origins of the Order. Uh, but from the context of the article, um, previously in the previous paragraph, uh, I think, is it Ray in, in, in the Ray film or no, in the Mangled film talking about the discovery of the force and from there, the origins of the Jedi. <coughs> I wonder if then the Ray film is it in a way about the rediscovery of the force. Remember it awakens, it awakens in Ray uh, as if it were asleep as the, the, the old joke, you know, the force awakens the last Jedi from a nap kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but no, the force awakens, I mean, we don't quite know. Is it the Force awakening someone else? Is it awakening Ray, waking itself, waking itself up? That seems to be the the clear connotation. Um, but yeah, the, that's an interesting, great point to point out. There's going to be people rediscovering the Force in a way. I mean, we see in the sequel trilogy, Ray learning deeper, more deeply about the Force, similar to what we know. We haven't seen Luke really do it, but. You know, I guess Charles Soule is telling that story in the comics. But Ray learning about the Force, learning about herself, that we see it in The Last Jedi especially. And, uh, yeah, it, it, how that sparks something new in, in a way of following the light, pursuing the light. Of course, that's something we'll get to a bit later on the show. Uh, Joel, what did you think of, of the, this quote, the this link between... The mangled film and the the ray film i've always felt there should be a link even if not an intentional one because sort of like i was when they announced it i was like thinking to myself well okay you got in the ray film the furthest end of the timeline yeah. okay, my, I'm put my hand here. and then you sure. got in the mangled film the other end but like you're almost like hitting the two points and the floating film kind of this weird in the middle section i mean mm -hmm. i don't know how connected those will be um, that will be when all said and done, but who knows? Um, but you know, at the point, but right now you have the Ray film and the Mangled film. It's like you got Ray re jumping the Jedi Order. You got mm -hmm. Mangled film, which is either going to be 
I'm curious about the Mangle film. It's like, is it about starting an official institution of the order? Or is it just a guy or gal or non-binary pal discovering weird forcey powers thingies? Like, oh mm -hmm. my, like, what? why can I lift the, the rock with my head? You know, it's like, kind of, you know, it's like, instead yeah. of like, are they just kind of learning for themselves and like writing like, okay, today I lifted a rock with my head and accidentally <laughs> hit myself with it. And that is the first Jedi sacred text. Maybe that's how it acts. That's what I really hope not. I don't think that's the making of a biblical epic there, Joel. I mean, I don't know how subversive it will yeah. be. Like, I, I kind of want the character to be somewhat funny and somewhat like, I don't know. True. Make them there is or... the actual Bible, and the characters aren't necessarily that intelligent or that special. Um, hmm. they, they have a sense that this is what they're, they're supposed to go and do something, they're supposed to go and build something. Uh, you know, Abraham is supposed yeah. to go and start a family, <laughs> and you know, you we're, know he's not really given that good of a reason why, but he does. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I think it might have something to do with that in terms of I have this sense that this is the right gotta, thing to do. I gotta yeah. teach people how to listen so, about this rock yeah. lifting power and the yeah, exactly. weird sword with crystals and stuff like that, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, um, and you know, you Aang's 25,000 years old. He might yeah, pop up, really. But okay. Yeah, yeah. They said Yuang is twenty five thousand years so old. So that, that's the that's the parallel with the Ahsoka film or the Ahsoka show, right? Oh, film. Probably. Yeah. The Ahsoka show. Well, he did. He's in the, the show too. The, the show. Yeah. The show and then the film. I mean, the Ahsoka show. I think is about Ahsoka rediscovering the Force within her, and and the 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 destiny and the legacy of the Jedi within her that she has let lie dormant to some extent. Um, we see I, that with, uh, with with her unwillingness to, to train Grogu, for example. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, and her you know, cautiousness to be involved in anything called Jedi. I mean, she's she's not opposed to what Luke is doing. She's not stopping Luke, but she's clearly not joining him either. Um, yeah, so, you yeah. know, with the First Order gone and stuff, it's like people are mm -hmm. going to start showing off their Force powers without fear. Um, I'm actually yeah, curious or with the Empire say... gone with this sort I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm talking about the Ray film. Um, I'm curious yeah, yeah. to think of these other quotes too. What Kathleen Kennedy said, same interview. Mm -hmm. She said, "It's Kathleen Kennedy speaking." I think what's also what's always great about Star Wars is it's a big galaxy, and we're coming off what a major war with the First Order. And now Ray has made a promise to Luke, and that's really the core of where the, we're going with the story will be. I think mm -hmm. it offers tremendous opportunity to introduce character to start with something fresh because we culminated with George Lucas's what creating. And now we take all of it and move it to the next chapter. Um, I guess that's also the point I kind of forgot to put in the notes, where it's like, oh, yeah, this is also kind of, we're now past George's saga. Now it's time to really do our thing with right. Ray 1. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, again, another question of the freedom to do whatever they want. Um, yeah, the freedom to do whatever they want because of the era. It's later in the era, so... Yeah, it's a good, uh, good point. Um, here's a good comment from uh, friends of the Jedi Force podcast. Thanks for joining us here. Um, this is about the Mangled film, but clearly I think we can say things similar to the Ahsoka show and, uh, and and the Ray film as well. But specifically the Mangled film, this gets into our main topic, so it's a great segue here. If Filoni has anything to do with it, and with the, the Mangled film, we'll get as much of a Lucas film as we can get, Lucas feel as Lucas film, Lucas feel as we can get. Mangold can try, but he will blend a mix of his vision and Lucas. 
that was kind of the approach in Indy 5. I mean, I think um, from what I read, Mangold really wants to incorporate Lucas feel, uh, Lucas vision, if you will, um, in, in in what he's doing. I Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's trying to move away from it. Um, but yeah, I mean, he also just wants to be able to tell, I mean, in terms of characters, right? And that's the thing, in terms of characters, in terms of what their motivations are, yeah, I mean, he was able to do that with Indy. I agree. He was able to explore what you know why why he took these choices that he did. This feeling of this grizzled old man, kind of defeated, um, coming back for one final adventure. Uh, yeah, I mean that that you know that does feel very Lucas. Not, I mean, with Han and Force Awakens, for example. Um, yeah, and and so. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, anyone who, this is maybe what we'll get to on our main topic, but anyone who wants to do Star Wars, if you want to do it well, you're going to pay attention to what George Lucas set up. And we'll get into that very shortly. But, uh, Joel, I don't know if you have any, any further thoughts on. I think um, he'll probably yeah. exactly go more his own direction than he did with Indy, if you ask me, because it's sort of like you're not, you know, this is Indy 5. Yeah. This is a continuation of a series. The mangled mm-hmm. film was kind of its own thing, so you know what? Well, I, mean, yeah. I guess this is we'll get to the actual topic of what does Lucas feel even mean? That's yeah. one of those things. It's like, what does that mean? So we'll, we'll get to it. So I want to. I don't want yeah. to waste our good ammo right now. Yeah. Um, well, well, might as well. Let's do it. Let's go for it. Because way. It seems to be <laughs> good job. These things are just colliding into everybody. Um, the George Lucas vision. I set it up at the top. Uh, you know, we use it a lot. Um, again, Joel, take it away. What, yeah, what does the George vision mean to us? Yeah, so you know, this is something that, um, you know, people say a lot. You know, this is what people say a lot on discussions. Sometimes mm-hmm. I would argue almost abuse this, this, this saying of what does George Lucas' vision mostly just to say, oh, I didn't like it because it didn't sit with George Lucas's vision. It's like. Say he didn't like it. I mean, if you if you if you truly believe that, then that's one thing. But like, mm-hmm. you know, just you know, I feel like you're using that to kind of, you know, kind of delegitimize things. Like, you know, it's like I don't like the EU because it's not George Lucas's vision. I mean, I, I mean, it's one thing if that's if you just like anything George touched. But it's like okay, um, but you know, what what does that mean? What does what does vision actually mean? You know, what does uh so i i decided so i'll start off just kind of giving my own personal thoughts on what to me george lucas's vision mm-hmm. means and you know to me george lucas's vision is not you know darth maul was going to be the main villain of episode seven and dark talon is his female counterpart or you know ray was originally going to be named twinkie or kira um perhaps that was a, a, a test name twinkie uh, mm-hmm. i think um you know that those are plot points and lore points which evolve and change as you're making the movie. Trust mm-hmm. me, what you think in concept and where you end up at the end is sometimes completely 180. Look at some of those original drafts of Star Wars, and it's like, yeah. you know, I can kind of see it, but at the same time, it's like, why is there two Darth Vader's and the Emperor's just a dude? <laughs> why is George Lucas the main character, full on beard and all? <laughs> um, you know, Star Killer, Skookus. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. to me, George's vision are the themes, the life lessons, 
the kind of, I mean, sometimes Lauren's theme can kind of blend in, like, with yeah. the force and what balance of the force actually means, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but kind of just the broad strokes of, like, you know, fight fascism and, <laughs> you know, kind of the narratives of what Star Wars is trying to teach us about found family and its happiness. So that, to mm -hmm. me, is Lucas's, what mm -hmm. Lucas's vision truly entails, mm -hmm. me at least. What about you? What's your so I have, I have a number of ways into that. One of the things interesting may be his plan for a sequel trilogy uh, in the, uh, the the Paul Duncan book that he goes into. Um, yeah, but, but it's why. Why is that his vision? And we'll get into the plans for the sequel trilogy later on, different alternatives there. Um, you know, we could go back to that question of authorial intent. What did he intend Star Wars to be and have has even Dave Filoni and others moved away from that? Um, you know, is it what you know, is it a method of narrative exploration? You know, that to me, I'm going to say or say it again: is it a method of narrative exploration? Um, I know I, I just repeated myself because I want to I want to hammer that home. And this is this is what I why I think. I mean, the sequel trilogy to me is a very gives us a very clear answer. Uh, I would say Ryan Johnson caught what the George Lucas vision is far more deeply than J.J. Abrams did because George, because J.J. Abrams thought the vision thought Star Wars was about fun starfighter battles and uh, you know Jedi go confronting everything with a laser sword and that's a fine story those are two fine films not dunking on them too much but to me it's more about asking the, the 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 reason ryan johnson puts ray in the position it's what is going to push her the farthest was going to push her the deepest and it's to make her ray from nowhere what is going to push the jedi and the story and the universe as far as i can go uh, and what kind of creative ideas can i throw in there you know that challenge our sacred cows but lack of a better term, challenge our most deeply held beliefs about what heroism is and what truth and justice and victory is. Um, that challenge those things, but in the end, leave us with a deeper answer to those things. And, you know, it's goes back to, well, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's Rose's line. This is how we win, not be kill by killing what we hate, but by saving what we love, you know, we we tend to think that heroism is all about killing what we hate and we end up becoming the haters ourselves. That is one of the big themes in Star Wars. It said it's about saving what you love, gathering people around you. I look I think back to uh the 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 Yoda arc in Clone Wars. I mean that's more of a Dave Filoni thing, but Yoda at the very end, he recognizes it isn't about defeating the Sith, it's about overcoming the limits of death and that that is victory for all time and so to me that you know that really gets at what the vision is um you pass on what you've learned including failure you pass on your who you are and your legacy by by who you gather around you and and who you open yourself up to i do want to say though joel when you mentioned it, it what is about life and light um you know what you were saying in the notes here. Uh, 
yeah, balance of the force, meaning uh, the the that even death. We'll itself, get to that specific we'll get example. To it. We'll get but to it. I, we'll get to we'll it. Get I do to want to say, well, balance of the force, as in the not the uh, yeah. I, I mean, in terms of the concept of the balance of the force. Right. Um, I do want to say, uh, I do want to just ground this in someone else who deeply grasped what I believe the George Lucas vision is. Uh, Claudia Gray and in Master Apprentice, and I'll, I'll just the setting up where I go and get into this conversation. I'm gonna quote from Master Apprentice, probably one of the most important quotes in all of canon. Uh, I think people need to spend more time with this one. Qui Gon, Rail, Avaros, I believe it's Rail, and Aver and, and Qui Gon, de they're debating. Rail has is despairing, he he's kind of given up. On, on following the light, um, following the order, kind uh, of being you know, he sees too tied in with what is going on on this planet, and and wants to just stay there and doesn't really believe in what the Jedi. He, he believes he believes in the people. He cares about the people, but doesn't fully really <laughs> believe what the Jedi necessarily stand for anymore. His convictions waver. I'll say that it's not. He's not full on dark side or gray Jedi, or gray, what gray Jedi, uh, creamsicle Jedi, <laughs> but his convictions wavering. And, um, you know, and saying, okay, what ends up happening, you know, in, in this competition, it would mean that the darkness would be just as strong as the light. If that's his conception of balance, I mean, it would mean that the darkness is just as strong as the light. So it doesn't matter what we do because in the end, hey, it's a tie. doesn't matter which side we choose. It matters, Qui-Gon said quietly. Here's the quote. It matters which side we choose. Even if there will be never be more light than darkness, even if there can be no more joy in the galaxy than there is pain, for every action we undertake, for every word we speak, for every life we touch, it matters. I don't turn toward the light because it means someday I'll win some sort of cosmic game. I turn toward it because it is the light. And oh, yeah. that to me that is book. everything George Lucas was trying to say. Yeah, and that's why that to me is why I that's what I stick with when it comes to Lucas feel. But I feel like too often I feel like in some ways that's the only way you can be happy with quote unquote the Lucas feel. <laughs> because everything else is gonna be just not subjective, but just kind of arbitrary. So, like, yeah. I'm gonna look at Phantom Menace. Let's look at Phantom Menace. I mean, Phantom Menace is the most George Lucas of the George Lucas Star Wars films. Yeah. <laughs> Only George Lucas would start the story of Anakin Skywalker as an 11 year old kid We're and have either. a 20 minute pod racing. Ryan Johnson wouldn't do it. Nate Flowey probably wouldn't do it. Tony Gilroy certainly wouldn't do it. Uh, I mean, would he start it with uh, a trade dispute? <laughs> Taxation about lying trade routes. <laughs> I mean, I think Tony Gilroy could probably actually pull yeah, that off. Yeah, but yeah, um, but um, James Mangold probably wouldn't do it. Ron Howard probably wouldn't even do it. Yeah. Steven Spielberg probably wouldn't do it. Uh, only George Lucas make that decision. Mm -hmm. Either that doesn't mean I don't think any of these characters, uh, these directors or creators I just mentioned off the top of my head, don't get Lucas's vision or don't get Lucas's vibe, mm -hmm. because that's just a but that's just a storytelling trope. They'd still mm -hmm. probably want to stick to the same themes. Just that's not how they tell it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, <laughs> Irving Kirshner probably wouldn't do it. Um, yeah. 
in my mind, Irvin Kirshner, I think, told this. In my mind, Irvin Kirshner did the explain the force in probably the best way ever. Because I'm actually thinking about the, the Yoda scene from Empire, and it's like, it's exactly the same thing as in The New Hope, when nobody wants to talk about the force, but just the way Kirshner directed it and with mm-hmm. John Williams' music and it's the, the vibe and the atmosphere, just so mythic. It's so mythic. Yeah. But it's telling the same thing, it's telling what George always says about the force. Um, so. I, I don't know, like, I feel like there is kind of this ethereal thing, which is Lucas's vision, and that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And then there's, like, the concrete hardened thing, which is um, uh, the kind of, I'm going to start a movie about an 11-year-old kid who goes, yippee, and withered. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And to me, that part, I don't care about. Quite frankly, like yeah. that to me is like when people say, "Oh, it's not Lucas's vision because not doing this," you know, right. it's like it's not Lucas's vision because it didn't have uh, Kira and what's his who was going to be Proto Finn, <laughs> uh, who was going to be Proto Finn, kind of right. you know, in whatever their version of Force Awakens was, uh, or Luke's reasoning for like I don't know what Luke's reasoning for Exile and Lucas's vision was. I don't actually think it was exactly the same thing Ryan went with. I think mm-hmm. Ryan chose that decision himself. I think Lucas almost was going to go for something that's a little bit more spiritual. I've always heard rumors that it was like Luke finding out about the wills and going to confront the wills and like realize the wills control everything. Yeah. Very, mm-hmm. very bizarre. Um, mm-hmm. And no one went with that direction. Not even Colin. We'll get to Colin later. Um, I think they would have talked George down from that. A little bit. Well, you hope so. I mean, you know, yeah. people, that's kind of where I kind of like, again, it's, it's sort of like my other thing about like plot yeah. and is not story and blah, blah, blah. Right. You know, like people go, oh, George Lucas is like, no, I think if George was like yeah. writing episode nine and got stuck, I'm like, uh oh. Um, it was complicated all along. I'm George. <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm in the camp of George is not below doing something like that. If he felt if he yeah. needed to from like a yeah. plot perspective, mm-hmm. uh, he's not b- below that for sure. Uh, above high and mighty that's like that for sure. Um, so you know that to me is why. Like I, I say it. I think Andor gets Lucas's vision of Star Wars brilliantly. Yeah. Um. I think it hits all the same themes George always hits. Mm-hmm. Of politics, life, light, even Marvin's whole speech is pretty much just balance of the force, but just mm-hmm. take away light side, dark side. Usually, mm-hmm. listen to that speech really mm-hmm. hard. That's pretty much what she's talking about. Um. You know the the corroding nature of the Empire infringing on the world and. They have to fight it tooth and nail. Um, but again, Tony Gilroy is not going to have a 20-minute pod racer scene or go, you know, have a silly character go, Wisa, Wisa, you know, kick around with Andor. You know, mm-hmm. he's not going to do that. That's not his vibe. So that is why, you know, to me at least, um, that is why I think that is the, the most best way to look at George's vision and stay happy. Because yeah. I feel like if you're going to be very specific about things, then yeah, I you're never going to be happy about it. Yeah, like if I mean that's the same thing as needing this thing to happen or that thing to happen, needing Ray and Ray and Kylo to suck face, you know. Yeah, uh, it's the classic one I bring up. But yeah, Kylo like I don't like grass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's green movies. and stains everywhere. <laughs> Smell the smoke, right? <laughs> right, 
Right. Um, so, you know, that's why, you know, I do think, you know, you can still be close to Lucas and still have your own vision, like with Mandalorian and Dan. You know, mm-hmm. like if, 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 if George wanted to tell a story of Mandalorian, he probably wouldn't look at anything like we got today. Mm-hmm. Or if he wanted to tell a story like Andor, he probably wouldn't look at anything like we got today. So I think that's why, quote unquote, saying Lucas's vision is so, so kind of. You have to like what you have to kind of specify what you're talking about. Yeah, and, and you know it's like, you know it's like Lucas is like, or even you know Lucas himself. If Lucas made the prequels in 1984, or 85 after Return of the Jedi, Phantom mm-hmm. Menace or whatever Episode One would have been called is not going to look anything like it does in 1999. If he made it in 1990, it wouldn't look like anything. Yeah. So you know I think we have this thing of like, oh, if George Lucas made Phantom Menace, it's going to look exactly 100 percent. Like Phantom Menace that we have now is like no George George yeah. changed in those thirty in that twenty year period. Mm-hmm. He changed again in you know, the other twenty year period. So you know it's like are we talking nineteen eighty five George Lucas, nineteen ninety nine George Lucas, two thousand ten George Lucas? There's so, there's so many versions of the man. Yeah, um, different ways you can go. Um. Yeah. So you talk a lot about authorial intent. Mm-hmm. So. Let's talk about something that's interesting. Uh, uh, let's talk about literary theory. All oh, right. Joy. Here for it. Um, literary theory. And one of the most classic literary theory terms has always been death of the author. It's a concept, and I got this from Wikipedia. Got <laughs> a good high school student. Um, <laughs> it's a good, um, death of the author is a concept from the mid-20th century literary criticism. It holds that an author's intentions and biographical facts, the author's politics, religion, etc., should not should have no special weight in determining an interpretation of the writing. Hmm. So basically, it's the idea that you as the author do hmm. not define your work. You Once hmm. you're, the work is out, it belongs to the masses. So whatever their interpretation of the work is matters more than the actual author's statements hmm. of the literary work itself. Um, and so... You know, it doesn't matter that, you know, and, you know, it, it's, it's, it is sort of interesting, especially because, obviously, thankfully, not George Lucas, but, um, you know, there are mm-hmm. authors out there, I won't say who, but if you know me, you probably know, who makes pretty much basic heroic stuff, good versus evil, and then you find out they're horrible human yeah. beings who hate minorities, or <laughs> they're just trashy people. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll get to give a specific example. You know, Josh Whedon, he made Buffy, he made... Yeah. Uh, Angel, you know, lots of 90s women empowerment series at the time, and then you find out, oh, he's actually horrible towards women and cheated on his wife many times. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, J.K. Rowling is the classic example now. And right? her too. Uh, yeah, and her too. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. so it's sort of like, you know, these, their stories that have more or less more good moral messages. Although, if you look at actually Harry Potter, there's actually quite a lot of some problematic stuff back then. But, you know, mm-hmm. It's kind of look at it now, you know, look at it back then, like find out, oh, these are people who completely don't hold their own values to heart. Um, hmm. And then if you actually do believe in like the authorial background is important and you kind of start to notice or read it like, oh, yeah, I can kind of see maybe this guy was a bigot or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like a, maybe a more direct example. If you read Tarzan books and find out, oh, Victorian white guy. No wonder Tarzan's so racist um, towards people of Africa. So it makes total sense. Um, but I think with Star Wars, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Not because, you know, George is secretly, you know, George is a good guy. Um, but, uh, you know, Star Wars is so big and vast and 
everyone has their interpretations of it. Everyone sort of had a bit allowed to interpretize it. Like, you know, there are people who think, you know, the empires, the Soviet Union, and the rebels are America and NATO allies fight mm -hmm. the evil empire. Yeah. You know, um, you know, there, there's that, you know, um, there are other, this kind of, you know, this, yeah. you know, how do you, are the Jedi Buddhist monks or are they the Catholic Church, you know, or are, you know, are the separatists, I don't know what the parallel for the separatists are, um, you <laughs> know, yeah. no good contest, I don't know, um, but, you know, Star Wars is so vast and big and its fandom is so vast and big that sort of like, that's of the author kind of asks, you know, what George's background and mm -hmm. political views do they matter? Do they hold special weight in the conversation of when talking about Star Wars? And, you know, people will say yes or no. They, they vibe. Well, and, okay, well, I just want to jump in and say, yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting you bring up George's own politics. And the question is how much of that factors into our interpretation, especially of the prequels, especially of uh, the story of the Senate and Senate overreach and the power of money in the Senate, given everything that was happening with Newt Gingrich and the, the, the gun lobby at the time and the march to Iraq. And uh, I mean, this, this is a similar idea. What the, the real world historical context, especially in a space opera, how much does that play into it? It's harder, you know, it's harder to separate it when it's about the literally about a certain time period you know the um, you know uh, Chris Nolan's view of World War II nuclear proliferation is going to come through in Oppenheimer. I mean that's just not that's pretty obvious. Um, but you know I also say nuclear proliferation to end it that isn't very controversial anymore. So that's easier. Um, uh, credit to Stephen Kent who I'm gonna I'm gonna shout it to him. He he used to. Uh, care to have more of a, I mean he's kind of stepped away from kind of the core Star Wars fandom for various reasons recently he was able to do both things at once and this is where I get to my response to death of the author um, and you know the question do we owe George any special treatment does his intentions his views what kind of weight do they have in determining interpretation and I would say some weight but it doesn't have to be absolute and it can't be absolute because we're also our, our experience. And this is, this is another literary theory idea. Our engagement, our, our, our watching and reading this material that creates part of the meaning as well, right? The medium is the message. The content is the audience. There's Marshall McLuhan again. Um, and so what I will say is, yes, we can point to, this is a great example of, um, you know, in in the 70s and 80s, yes, George was making a statement about grand imperialism and the uh, the scrappy uh, freedom fighters who sought to uh, liberate themselves from the overreach of the U.S. in Vietnam or, you know, from the Soviets as well, but more like in Vietnam, not in the U.S., for example. And um, you know, that we can read into it also like the example I brought up, right. With, uh, the, the, the power of money in us Congress and, uh, Albert the rise of corporations. Yeah. The, yeah. Nixon, the rise of corporations, corporate power. Here's an interesting twist though, 
is if you're say more on the conservative libertarian side of things and you know we can debate that fine we can debate you know the you know the politics of it but if you also see uh the rise of the welfare state the the empire the rise of the empire is the rise of the welfare state if you are like Stephen Kent himself i, I think He's expressed some of these things when he used to have a, a Beltway's Beltway Banthas podcast, really great podcast, um, looking at Star Wars as po- the political messages of Star Wars. And I recall him saying, you know, he that for him, uh, the rise of the empire, the rise of government overreach and regulation into the lives of everyday ordinary people, and the rebels were the libertarians fighting back on that. And again, we can debate the politics of it, but that is there in the story that is there in the text if he is inspired by it i'm not going to say that that's not star wars i'm not going to say that that kind of the way of asking the question the way of posing it the way of the method and this goes back to method the method of making meaning out of a star wars story <laughs> asking the deeper questions about freedom and conscience and personhood and agency and yeah, identity and family origins and all that stuff. That's the vision. That's the George Lucas vision. He, I mean, that's the thing, you know, we all, this is the thing we can always go back to is he saw a lot of young people in the seventies, not fully knowing, okay, the world war two is over. We're products of, of, we are the baby boomers. What are we doing with this life, with this world that has been unmade and now, we can possibly remake it, but you know, to what extent do we, you know, is it up to us now to carry on that legacy and to reinvent the world or, or build up the world as we see it um, stepping out from our parents' house, from our, from uh, the the farmhouse in in whatever near, near uh, uh, you know, in California there, you know, wherever, you know, the, the, the moisture farm and actually, taking responsibility for your own life. And uh, that was the vision that he always sought to to teach is here is a story that looks like a kid's story, but it actually has these deep adult themes in it. Uh, what are you meant to do with your life? What is the What is your destiny in terms of building up society for the better? I would argue that Star Wars is a kid's to, story, though. It is a kid with kids' themes. It's so what I mean, it's a kid's story, but that carries with kids within it these deeper, more grown-up. It, it's it's a coming of age, and they're all coming of age. All three trilogies are coming of age, and um, that's why I go back to this Qui-Gon quote. You know, we're right. faced with this problem, faced with this question. Doesn't matter what we do. Doesn't matter what I choose to do when I get up in the morning. Doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Qui-Gon says yes, because there is an order, a cosmic way of, of I mean, whatever George Lucas himself believes, whatever you or I might believe, you know, there might be different reasons that we're but that we're all connected and that we're all uh interdependent. And so every choice I make, if I make a positive choice to you know seek deeper understanding and deeper take courage to deeper connection, um, compassion, more joy, more light, more hope. Uh, 
that will actually have an effect. And so we might as well try. We might as well do or do not. We might as well do. So that to me, again, it, you know, it, it, it goes back to this question because that really is what he was, he cared about. And, um, but also the conclusion, this is the point. The conclusion doesn't have to be what he would have concluded uh, politically or personally or whatnot. Um, yeah, it, 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 that's the thing. It's tricky because again, it, the author is still alive. <laughs> you know, it, it's the, it's not the literal author. It's the implied author. That's another part of literary theory. The implied author, um, it has a weight, but it's not absolute, but has a weight, but it's not absolute. We are also part of that meaning making. Yeah, you know, and uh, there's other literary theory that I didn't get into, which I, I know of. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know, but like there's the idea of what is an author and it's yeah. sort of like, is the author and you, the person, two different entities who live inside? So like, if I'm writing a book, yeah. there's Jewel Davis, the author, giving out these messages and morals, mm -hmm. and then there's Jewel Davis, the me, who might be doing the complete opposite of these things right now. I yeah. mean, you know, it's to the extreme. Um, I hope not. Mm -hmm. I hope not. Um, you know, so, you know, it's like, who is talking at the moment, you know, and how much of, you know, it's like, you know, there's George the man, George the author. George, the, the, the George, the person who's talking about, you know, the dangers of capitalism and big corporations. Yeah. And then there's George, the businessman, the capitalist, who is making True. good money off these Star Wars toys that you got behind you. And I got behind me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll, uh, I'll say that, though. There's still something to be said about uh, how we're all just tied in and complicit and it's bigger than us. But I do see what you're oh, saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, we're only human. Um, we're, we're only human. Um, yeah, you know, and it's sort of our interpretations, you mm. know, kind of are, it's interesting, all our interpretations and how it affects, affects the narrative, you know, I, this mm. is for later, but, you know, I, I got that friend on Tumblr who we did the interviews with, who's like very much, mm -hmm. who thinks that we have gotten the whole Jedi of the prequel era just completely wrong. And yeah. kind of the narrative is so shifted about that. Um, well, hi, Star Raptor. Uh, by the way, hi, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, and stuff like that. And also, just yeah. you know, um, just contributions to the universe as mm -hmm. well. Like, you know, is Tim Zahn, it's not Tim Zahn, Tim Zahn's the author, uh, is Thrawn a character who George, who George would ever come up with? I don't know, maybe, uh, but also, you know, Tim mm -hmm. Zahn is a big that. So Thrawn is on. Thrawn, uh, yeah, is, fair. Thrawn is on <laughs> That's Zon. why you're doing the Freudian stuff there. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Thrawn is, is a Tim Zahn creation. You know, mm -hmm. he is that contribution to the Star Wars universe. Mm -hmm. um, and Star Wars is, Star Wars is, I've always said this, Star Wars is this bizarre hybrid yeah. in that it is both kind of a Tolkien one author universe. Mm -hmm. But it's also like a comic book, Marvel DC, where it's like it's just been the evolution of dozens of authors and people yeah. just contributing over the years and mm -hmm. evolving the characters and tweaking the universe and adding new lore and that mm -hmm. whatnot. So um, here's a good quote before we continue. Um, I love that we can take our own lessons from Star Wars. Some things are left ambiguous and we can fill the blanks in our own headcanon. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, um, uh, you know, 
but can you go too far? Can you, mm-hmm. is, is it right to go too far? Is it okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where I think we kind of, and you're about to see why I like Rise of Skywalker and we'll always pick that movie over yeah. what could have been sure. um, to a certain extent with Duel of the Fates, the Colin Trevorrow version of episode nine. Mm-hmm. To everyone out there who says, you, we wish we had this version, I'm going to read some stuff to you. Yeah. Uh, from the Duel of the Fates script, I actually wrote it down on the notes. Yeah. Um, page, you can go to the script yourself. I'll go to page, I'll just read here. Page 113. Uh, Ray and Kylo are having their final showdown on Mortis. They're going at it. You know, Ray's having her oh, moment, and then she <laughs> says, "Ray, our masters were wrong. I will not deny my anger, and I will not de- reject my love. I am darkness, and I am the light." Now, in this version, she is Ray, nobody, and I do like that. Mm. Um, so you know, she beats Kylo, or Kylo kind of has her restored, yada yada. And then Ray's kind of been forced ghost heaven for a few seconds. <laughs> um, and then she meets up with Luke, Luke, Yoda, and Obi-Wan. No Anakin. You know, people complain yeah. about Anakin in the sequel trilogy. Not even Duel of the Fates had Anakin in it. They, and they didn't even have Force Ghosts. Yeah. He, he doesn't even show up. He shows up, Darth Vader shows up, but not Anakin. Um, so, mm-hmm. and this isn't Force Ghost Heaven, mind you. So we got yeah. Obi-Wan in here. So that Ewan McGregor would have showed up. But it's not it's the, the Mortis Temple. It's somewhere. We Something. don't know where. <laughs> but uh, but you know you know they're like, hey Ray, you did it, you won. And then Yoda goes, hmm, succeeded where we have failed. Arrow with our point of view. Luke, you chose to embrace the dark side and the light. Define balance within Yoda. Coexist they must, as such feelings within all of us. And to me, well, this is more egregious than anything else, is mm-hmm. because if you added this. It's completely retcons one Zeus eight. This pretty much just says, "Yeah, all the stuff George was talking about." Yeah, mm. we wrong. Whoops. You, Ray, you got you right. You got this new way of doing it. Light and dark equal fifty fifty. Go for it. All yeah. the other stuff. Yeah, we were wrong about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, basically saying, okay, well, you know, things about light and joy. It doesn't matter. We want it tie. We want it to tie because you know whatever. Um, the one thing I will say about this, though, the way she talks about it, you know, not deny anger, not reject love. Um, you know, the only problem I have with this is is the word dark side, right? Who said anger? Like, since when? I mean, I don't think George Lucas ever says anger and love are dark side. You know, uh, or, or even attachment. It's it's the it's not. Uh, it's when those things control us. When those things dictate our, our choices, here's the here's the thing: is actually having mastery over them, like in that Yoda arc where Dark Yoda, you know, Yoda grabs him in and says, "Part of me, you are." Is Yoda giving into the dark side there? No, he's saying that the light is always stronger. The light is always the true path. It's just that it incorporates things that we may, if left unchecked become dark side um you know even you know in the high republic even collaborating with the with the republic collaborating having this institution called the jedi council not necessarily dark side i mean maybe that's what uh the person you were quoting before uh was getting at i mean he was saying the thing about buddhism versus the catholic church and and i'm all yeah it's both um i'll be interested to see more of what he says but yeah it's uh 
it, it, it's curious to see why people want that to be the dark side, why people want to say the Sith were were right and that we should, I don't know, canonize them. Um, you know, in the way you can say the Sith were right about embracing anger and attachment as part of what you do without saying they were right. You know what I mean? It, to me, it yeah, it's when you go too far. I do, I mean, I wonder, here's the thing, the wonder behind the scenes, if Kathleen Kennedy and them, they tried to talk him down from this. Tried to oh, say, I 100% believe that. I 100% believe yeah. this was Colin's endgame, yeah. and they like, no, we, we ain't doing that. So if uh, they tried to work with him, tried to say, let's just change the script here, say, we can't do that, even if we may, some of the people in Lucas would probably agree to some extent. We know there are characters like Ray Lavros in Star Wars who agree with this. We can't have our hero saying this. Uh, let's just change. Let's soften this thing about anger and love and attachment. Soften it a bit. Incorporate it in. Not, not use to say dark side and darkness. And if he just wasn't willing to compromise on that. And so, you know. Well, the two things uh, I've always heard yeah. were this whole pretty much canonize the idea of Grey Jedi yeah, and apparently the second and third drafts weren't even that good. So like, just right. they were badly written scripts. So they're like, yeah. uh, "This guy ain't doing it." And then there's the 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 Jurassic Park wasn't as good in the box office, but that's <laughs> oh, actually Jurassic Park was good at the box office. Right. Just, they they thought, "Well, this script's not good." Right, um, Kennedy got more better, got got more standard than that. Yeah. So, um, you know, and also the thematics are just mm -hmm. way off. So, um, here, here's my here's maybe another way of getting to this though is um because you're saying the scripts weren't good i mean we can say we can appeal to george lucas's vision i'm appealing to the vision as a narrative method of asking questions and we appeal to george lucas's that aspect of the lucas vision of what is light and dark um you know following the light what are you know the power of attachments an agency and freedom within those. Um, we, we do that not be, not for some slavish devotion to some creator, right? Um, we were going to mention our theory. I think we moved on because we don't have time. Not because of that, but because we're trying to tell a good story. They're trying to tell a good story, compelling story that the people of our time need to hear. And you know, Ryan Johnson is able to tell you know, the story of a young woman who doesn't know her origins but has to find family and can't find it with Kylo Ren because he's going to gaslight her. <laughs> has to find it with, with his mother who's also trying to help rebuild something, restore something, um, hopefully incorporate him back because she would she's willing to forgive him. But we don't know. We don't really have that dialogue too much. We do. I guess we do enforce some ways a little bit. But um yeah, I mean Ryan Jones is able to tell the story and JJ Abrams to some extent as well about uh empowering young people to embrace their their destiny, embrace their power within to confront evil, confront fear. Um those are compelling stories that uh you know, I mean uh, you know, this just thinking about how with uh Contravaro, you know, this is you know the rise of uh, I forget what they're called. Just 
you know, the, the angsty teenage incel, you know, um, we don't want to give fuel to those folks to say, uh, yeah, you can just embrace your anger, let it control you, let the dark side control you. You do want to say, we do want to say, uh, feel feelings and care for things and care for people, feel disappointment, but, uh, it's what you do with them the choice matters and that's it comes back to that it's it's interesting it's a very liberal enlightenment thing your individual choice your personal choice matters doesn't mean it's wrong that's still a right thing to say you know um so that's another thing point and the reason why i'm grateful uh kathy kennedy and and, and lucas Swim said uh hold on let's put the pump the brakes here <laughs> let's actually say uh we're good we're still uh find what george is telling us we find it compelling there's a difference right there's still a reason now it's not oh george lucas didn't make 789 so we don't care about it or oh oh it doesn't follow chapter and verse like joe you were saying before with plot details it's oh this is still the compelling vision the compelling idea that is more the relevant to society and lore to the compelling idea that's still, I think, more relevant to society now even than it was in 1977, given how isolated and how fearful so many of us are. Um, we need to reach out, you know, I mean, right, reaching out and seeing, feeling the connection between all things. That's the Lucas vision. Oh, yeah, you know, I that's to me where I think Kathleen Kennedy would see herself more as like a steward of Star Wars, yeah, outside of like, you know, JJ. Make Ray Palpatine. That's an order. You know, I don't think she cares about that. Um, no. personally, and that was probably wasn't her idea. <laughs> no, or you know, it's like you know, oh, yeah. you know, Colin, make Kylo Ren redeem. That's an order. You know, it's like, yeah, you know, I don't yeah. think she, I don't think she gets that involved. No, uh, with the minutia. Um, you know, but I think in terms of like, yeah, like that that core thematic of Star Wars, especially mm. for Episode Nine, the continuation of what is supposed to be Lucas's Star Wars. Mm -hmm. That is going to be something I think she'll hold a lot more closer to the chest, uh, yeah. compared to you know doing a spinoff movie about it. But maybe that's where we come to the conclusion. But that's a spinoff movie, so it doesn't affect. It doesn't retroactively affect yeah. any other movies um, by accident. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, um, you know, even you, the you know, in, in Attack of the Clones, the the whole thing on on the ship. Where Anakin's all, the, I mean, he kind of he's justifying. He's being very self-justifying. He's feeling for Padme, but you know, Jedi is supposed to love, supposed to connect. Yeah, there. Uh, anyway, right. that, that's a bit of a uh, segue. But no, I, I, no, I, you know, you know, um, no, they can love, but they can't have selfish attachments. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and as we talked about, you know, George's narrative and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I've always felt again, and we talk about this, and this kind of comes into my devil, my devil's arguments, my devil, my devil take. My, not even devil take. I don't even agree with it per se. It's just my mm -hmm. my uh, my devil's advocate. There we go, devil's advocate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm, the, I'm the devil's lawyer. Uh, you're, you're throwing something out there, seeing what happens, seeing what sticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, so okay, so mm -hmm. there is a big divide in fandom about mm -hmm. what exactly Lucas is was trying to do with the Jedi in the prequel era. Right. There's a group that say George's whole thing is 
no, the Jedi aren't the bad guys. They aren't corrupt. They aren't a lesser version of themselves. This is just the Jedi. This is Anakin's story. Anakin's the reason why he fell. Anakin's selfish choices. Mm-hmm. There's another that believes, oh, the Jedi are in this downfall period. They've become isolated. They've they've gone they've gone to they've gone too far. Yada yada. They they are a lesser being. So the mm-hmm. lesser organization. So the High Republic is pretty mm-hmm. much predicated on the idea of like this is the Jedi at their height. You know, yeah. over a thousand years, the Jedi were the peace, die in the peace and justice of the old Republic, according to Obi Wan. You know, this was the Jedi at their best. This was Heave-ho, let's go. <laughs> so, um, if you're in camp, Jedi are not the problem in the prequels. They're not at their lesser version. Palpatine overwhelmed the Jedi. He would have done that with any version of the Jedi, was his plan. <laughs> then in some way, you argue that the High Republic is going against George's narrative of the prequels, <laughs> which I've always sort of found kind of interesting in this divide. But if you do agree with that, then you're just like, oh, okay, well, it does adhere to George's narrative of the prequels. Mm-hmm. And my kind of, and my kind of answer is, well, what does it matter? You like the High Republic, and so who cares? <laughs> um, I it's like not it, so possibility, yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. I just think that is that's kind of something in terms of like mm-hmm. you're going to have this regardless of what you think about the High Republic or not, because. Yeah. Star Wars is being interpreted now by other people. I mean, it always kind of has been with the expanded universe to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like even the Tales of the Jedi comics, you know, it's like George kind of gives something about the a, a rule of two for the Sith to Tom Vice. He's like, well, all right, I'll just have it so there's two Sith Lords and like a bunch of the accolades and we'll figure it out from there. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, it's always some sort of interpretation of someone's interpretation. Adaption, even you know, it's a interpretation. So, you know, yeah, that kind of, kind of, kind of that interesting thing of someone is very much interpreting the work, and then people argue, well, you're not really listening to the work, so mm. you're not really interpreting it properly. But then if it's good, then who kind of cares? I mean, that's kind of my whole my take on this question and this yeah. kind of this devil's advocate hot take because like. I don't really have a stick in the fight too much about whether or not the High Republic adheres to Lucas's narrative of the Jedi and prequels. But I like the High Republic regardless. So, yeah. what do I care? But I'm curious to kind of hear your take on this as well. It's kind of it, that. It's a really, really fascinating question, especially in light of what the High Republic is doing and what it is. Mm-hmm. I do think it is a beeline to Order sixty six. Mm-hmm. The prequels. So, I'll I'll say I'm in a kind of a third camp. Um, that the Jedi are victims of their own institutional necessity, if that makes sense. So um, this guy spooks the Jedi, brings up the leveler, brings up the nameless. This is at the end of phase one. I mean, I, I go back to this. General retreat, everyone pick up your stakes, all these uh, outposts and temples around the galaxy. Forget it. This is too much. Uh, we have to retreat and regroup and figure out what the heck to do. And maybe that's not ultimately, they don't ultimately retreat. Um, but clearly, it, it Markian is able to make a gash in their soul so deeply that they refuse to be, they're just in a, unable to, to stand out, to step out and be the guardians of peace and justice in the galaxy fully. Um, we do see them going in Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan going on this mission to Naboo 
sell this peace agreement in part because the chancellor asked them to, the chancellor sent them. Um, it's not that they're, they're so closely allied and tied into the Republic, not because they're mustache twirling villains. Now that's the Palpatine answer. That's the, the boring, Oh, we're in right. it for, for our own power answer. Um, right. you know, that, that's, that's, you know, similar. Yeah. Uh, the, the, what the Jedi fear, you know, oh, their own, their own power. That's again, that's boring. Um, the Jedi, I, I do think what, you, what George is saying, and then I think what I, I do think that the Luminous authors are picking up on is there is a reason why, you know, uh, people with institutional authority, even with the best intentions, make decisions that down the line end up putting them in vulnerable situations that they don't need to be in, putting them in places where uh yeah where where they can literally get shot in the back by their most trusted uh soldiers right uh if there's yeah. a mustache twirling villain in the prequels it's still palpatine right and that's yeah like clear the, the clear answer the obvious answer is the right answer in that case um and you know yeah. i'll so, i'm yeah. gonna defend mace windu here mm -hmm. um and i'm gonna be kind of honest what was mace supposed to do like when mm -hmm. he had palpatine there and he's like you can't you must stand trial. A, I don't think Anakin cares about the judicial process. I just think he wants Palpatine alive to get help for David's wife. Yeah. And B, Mace is right. Palpatine's got control of the courts, the Senate, and the courts. He's he's an evil yeah. mustache twirling Sith Lord. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. What you gonna put him in jail and like go? Oh no, no. Like mm -hmm. I'm sorry, but at that point, yeah, you kind of have to kill him. What what yeah. do you what's what's the alternative here? You know, suck yeah. out his force yeah. powers. He's put into an I mean, impossible situation, is what it is. I mean, exactly. you talked about the merch here, you know, and yeah, I could could have chosen not to buy the merch. Um, talk about how, you know, I I spend, I mean, I spend X number of dollars a month with my Cineplex membership, and you know, to get cheaper movies and buy the popcorn, buy the the poutine, buy whatever part of the system. We're, I mean. We're in a system that is bigger than itself. We're complicit in it. You have to do it every little bit, right? Not because I am not. Is that I'm not tomorrow going to defeat capitalism tomorrow? I'm going to participate in capitalism tomorrow. I I hope I get up and I go to work and and I write something that inspires people to even tonight. Hopefully, I'm not going to defeat capitalism tonight. I'm going to. You know, saying this podcast, doing this little action, hopefully inspiring people, myself as well, to to make choices in favor of connection and justice as opposed to disconnection and uh, you know, and selfishness. Right? Um, you know, it. We're all in this system, and uh, yeah, I'm trying to think where I was going to go there. Yeah. It, it is bigger, and so every little thing we we can do, but there's we can't necessarily prevent the great calamities of our age. We can only do our best to prevent them. We can't prevent, uh, we can't prevent World War Three. We can only do our best to prevent them. You know, uh, the Pope. Here's my day job. The Pope can send a cardinal to Moscow. To he's not going to end the war. Maybe he can 
negotiate for the return of, of captured children, which doesn't undo the fact that these children were captured, but it throws a bit more compassion and justice into the equation. You know, uh, those kinds of examples. You know, that to me is, is what George was saying. That to me is what the higher public is, is exploring but also it is a fascinating thing to explore how they get into the situation in the first place. Could they have avoided it? Could they have followed someone like Kiev who tried to, who I think is going to try to push forward someone like Senator Tia Toon in, in Fallen Star. He's inserted in there as this interesting point counterpoint of saying not so much about the Jedi, but you know, it, it, it's good for the Jedi to be free and for, uh, for people not to necessarily have to look to the Jedi to command their armies, for for local uh, local security forces to maintain things themselves. Although even that might be leading towards the Imperial Army to some extent, to saying that the Jedi are useless in defending peace and justice in the galaxy. I don't know. I, I mean, mean, these all these things. But here's my point: is I mean, I wonder if one of the things that they're saying is. So the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Good intentions can drive good choices too. Let's actually just celebrate the good intentions as well, as long as they're acted on. You know, maybe that, that's I mean, just I, other part of it. I mean, I think you got a good point about the impossible situation because, like, what Clone yeah. Wars happens? What the Jedi both do? Sit on their butts and go, "Eh, sorry, I'm not problem." What else can they do? You know? Yeah, you know. Yeah, again, you know what. What are they gonna do? Gonna just let Palpatine just keep being the Chancellor? You know, yeah. I you know I don't know what would have happened if Mace killed Palpatine, but mm -hmm. I think you know maybe the Jedi take a beating, but I don't think they get completely just decimated. Yeah. Um, you know, get rid of the ultimate evil then and now. Um, yeah. So, oh, bye Jedi Force podcast. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it, it is interesting for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, one last character I wanted to mention talking about impossible situations. That is, that is how I always see Obi-Wan in this, right? He, uh, I mean, he doesn't have other choice but to go into exile. He, uh, people criticize him for kind of deceiving Anakin or, you know, um, playing both sides and fudging the truth from a certain point of view. His whole thing is he's being put in this impossible situation where he's, you know, he can't fully follow Qui-Gon because he's not Qui-Gon. He actually does need to join the council, does need to do his best to ensure that, that the Clone War is carried out with as much integrity as a war can possibly carry out, um, you know, respecting rules of engagement, uh, seeking the balance of the force, the will of the force as best he can in the middle of a war, in the middle of his brother betraying him <laughs> and turning to the dark side, you know, uh, finding what he can do within the institution and because that's where he's meant to be you know i talked about the pope right for example you know the church leaders are, are you know there are there's a need for for the prophets like qui-gon um I'm trying to think of you know the, the ones who really name the system really think uh things should get burned down but there's also the need to the actually. Toys were just selling the pack rampires. Oh, oh, yeah, I know that's been happening. <laughs> hey, there we go. That's perfect. There we go. There's also the need for people to make sure that the lights are still on, the water is still running, and that 
the community is held together and you know that all the things we do people aren't flying off the handle and doing their own little thing things are coordinated and in harmony that is also at the service of unity and connection it's just using institutional authority to do it um it really constrains i mean you talk about mangled and the twister image mm -hmm. obi-wan in that he's all twisted up because uh, yeah. of all the circumstances that he's facing the jedi council and then the jedi order all twisted up because of the circumstances and i mean the thing is it really is palpatine's plan that is the mm -hmm. plot and uh, the plot as in his his evil plan the darth bane plan is to get the jedi all twisted up in these things ultimately so that they can literally get stabbed in the back by their own clone army and so yeah i mean it's an interesting thing i think they said for if they had listened to qui-gon and ahsoka and the prophets more and uh you know being more willing to change, more willing to not get stuck into the institutional authority. Yes, that is something to be said. I listened to Keeve, right? Listen to Avar, and maybe not Avar, maybe Burr. Uh, especially Avar, or especially Keeve, rather. There is something to be said for that. Um, but also, you know, it's, it's a more realistic story. And so, yeah, I mean... I do think, I mean, here's my, my last point there is uh, I brought up real world religious institutions and I do continually go back to what is your relationship with those institutions and how does that affect what you bring out of Star Wars and that's fair, what you see, what you impose onto the story. Um, and again, that's fine. That's what, what you see, what you bring out of it. Uh, but you're going to get disappointed if new stories i'm going to be disappointed if new stories don't reinforce what i already believe and so are we willing to adapt are we willing to accept different things new things there's always the question i mean yeah that's i mean that's what i mean i'm gonna be honest for me that's why outside the saga i'm pretty much do whatever you want yep. you know the saga one three seven six nine six with george's thing mm -hmm. Now you're free to do what you want. But um, there's actually something interesting I just thought of being a religion. Mm -hmm. I think what we're talking about, and this kind of goes back to something we didn't talk about, but I'm going to try to mix it in anyway with our tour theory, is mm -hmm. there is what the story wants to tell and how it's being told. And mm -hmm. I think of this like religion is the Bible is saying something, but how are you reading the Bible? Yeah. Are you drab and dreary and look up like this? <laughs> or are you spunky and kind of you gotta bring the energy and you kind yeah. of got the ooh ah e. mm -hmm. um and i see very much kind of the other creatives mm -hmm. kind of it's not what they're trying to tell i mean that's part of it for sure but how they're telling it so tony gilroy is gonna mm -hmm. tell the story of star wars so if tony gilroy did episode one he's gonna maybe take what george wanted to tell but he's gonna tell it in a very different manner. Mm -hmm. You know, if John Favreau directed episode one, he's gonna take what George wanted to tell, but he's gonna tell in a different manner. You I know, mean, Irvin Kirshner did more like what James Lucino did, you know, for example, right? With yeah. uh Tony Gilroy, probably with something a lot more like James Lucino. I yeah. mean, we have the example of Empire Strikes Back, in which, you know, yeah. George wanted to tell these this specific story and then had 
Kasdan and Irvin Kirshner tell it, and they mm -hmm. told it a specific way. Um, yeah. It's what George wanted to tell, just told differently. So okay. I think that is, sorry. <laughs> so I think that is something kind of where like, if people, you know, I get why people like the, I mean, I love the group too. Like, because that is George telling the story his way mm -hmm. with 11 year old boy, Anakin and one minute pod race. And I don't like sand. It's cool. <laughs> all that stuff. So if you like that George style of storytelling down to the storytelling, then again, it's like, well, you know, you're never going to be happy. if like, that's what you're looking for. Cause you're not going to get that yeah. kind of whatever George brought to his version of storytelling, you know, no creator is going to do that. So the hope is like, these creators are telling the story a specific way, but they're still kind of telling the same story. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the challenge, right? All these different creatives, you know, Tony Gilroy telling a very dark, fully grown up story. That is not a kid's show. It <laughs> is not a kid's show. Um, it's still very Star Wars. It still gets at the message and the vision uh, that we've been talking about this whole time. And it's just, yeah, very different style. Different medium of the streaming service, right? I mean, that, that changes things too. Uh, the time you have a novel versus a comic book versus a film, all these things, the medium is the message. Um, changes that's what kind of depth you can bring into it. A young adult novel versus... I mean, that's interesting why the young adult novels throughout... I mean, why Claudia Gray is one of the, one of the greats. I mean, she's primarily a young adult author. And talk about A New Hope. Is a young adult film in the same way, right? Um, I guess one more thing, and then we'll kind of wrap up. And mm -hmm. I, I brought this up a few times, but you know, kind of the kind of the, the bluntest question of all: mm -hmm. what does it matter inherently? Yeah. And you know, I guess with my examples, a lot of these examples are—I can't think of a good word. Mm -hmm. I, I want to use the word petty, but this is kind—I don't yep. want to use the word petty. But it's kind of petty, but petty, but I feel like there's a better word for it. Where it's mm. like, you know, George Lucas didn't like Mara Jade. Who cares? You know, yeah. I like Mara Jade. I think she's a good character. You mm -hmm. know, maybe Karen Travis is probably the best example of like someone who totally went off the rails. If you read some of her books, she, she <laughs> hates the Jedi and kind of gets into the Republic security <laughs> message thing. Um, I don't know, people like them. They like them for the, the Mandalore. She's the, very, the lore of Mandalore and mm -hmm. time. And he's got other ideas, like the Yuzon mm -hmm. Vong and the Salamari and Thrawn. And it's sort of like, what what does it matter if George didn't like it or not? You mm -hmm. know, if you like it, that's great. I know I know people, like, the, I have the most respect for people who say they know the Eve isn't George Lucas' version of Star Wars, but they don't care. They yeah. don't care about George Lucas' version of Star Wars. They like the EU. So at least they're being honest with themselves. That's true. Okay, That's true. Else. And I hate it when people are like, well, George Lucas is, is, is approved of the, you know, um, yeah. so at least, at least have some, some, uh, what's the word, consistency in your life, yeah. at least. Um, so, you know, kind of, what, what, is that sort of where I kind of come at it a lot of the time. It's like, mm -hmm. I don't care that George Lucas didn't like Marge I like Marge Yeah. She means something to me. I like, well, I, I'm going to say, I like Thrawn. Thrawn means something to me as a character. Mm -hmm. He's one of my favorite Star Wars films. And yeah, Dave Filoni loves Thrawn. He's using him in the show and movie in Rebels. So. He's going to be the big bad in his whole thing he's building up, right? Yeah, so, you know, yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't know what I'm trying to get at at this point outside of, like, 
I kind of like I kind of like you know what what does it matter in that respect as mm-hmm. well, although I guess that's kind of although I guess it's kind of different between George doesn't like the specific little lore bit and you don't agree with the the whole thematic element of Star Wars, which yeah. I'm going to be honest, it's fair to not like the thematic element of Star Wars. I know people sure. who still take issue with Darth Vader's redemption in Episode Six to this day. They still sure. think it was a bad call. Um, you know, I think there's we can debate that and kind of the message of redemption in mm-hmm. Star Wars and whatnot for sure. Um, but you know, um, I think that's more of an interesting topic of just debating the themes and whether or not we should. If you know, I think it's okay to say, you know, I am going to say it's okay to say that you think George Lucas is wrong, you know, give a reason why you think that, but you know, tell us why, and I think that's okay. And even for if you want a Star Wars author to maybe make a thesis about that's kind of their thesis for their movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not make it episode nine, but if they want to do like a standalone thing, I'm all yeah. fine for that. I think uh, undergirding this whole conversation only a Sith deals in absolutes. Um, that's, here's a great that's, what I was thinking about this. Uh, you all know how much I love Star Trek. Gene Roddenberry is wrong about the the inevitable about some specific things and that's the thing he's, in, he's wrong about the inevitability of reason um the inevitability of american liberal democracy being the savior of humanity um the inevitability of you know, us actually emerging although interestingly recent strange new world episode saying you have to go through a great cataclysm in order to learn our lesson but uh you know that and that's something parallel in star wars I love Star Trek still. I think there's good parts of that are important aspirational visions uh, in the Gene Roddenberry vision, if I can use the same thing, that that we do need to hear. Similar point does, <laughs> and this is the story I always, this is the thing I always come back to, does, uh, does a Star Wars story tell us something that we need to hear um, that is compelling the i mean just actually the plot and the pacing is it well made right the the performance the score the score is always going to be good um is it well made is it a good piece of a well-constructed piece of art does it have a message that we is constructive to society right now into uh, our lives right now um insofar as the george lucas vision does all those things it matters again not in any slavish way but you know um you know Mary Jade I don't yeah I haven't read enough about Mary Jade I don't know if the issue was that Luke broke his the whole celibacy thing I don't quite know he didn't quite like the fact Luke got married uh, for what I heard about you know her. I mean but he wanted Luke to stay single but I mean that's something that uh Canon is, has gone away from. I mean, Canon, uh, Canon Hera. Um, I'm sure there will be other examples. I can't quite think of them right now. Cal, Maybe, probably. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Cal and Marin. There's another example. Cal and Marin explicitly. Uh, he explicitly wrestles with this in Jedi Survivor. Um, you know, uh, the the whole question of attachment, detachment, and loss, right? And uh, is he being controlled by it, or is he seeking to connect? And and, and build up the world you know um karen travis stories i don't quite know enough about um and and i mean we 
we've dealt, we could talk more about here's here's a here's an episode topic joel uh jedi marrying <laughs> you know why could that be a good thing yeah there's a good episode topic karen travis i again i don't quite know but you know, if they're trying if, if she's here's the thing is she trying to say something constructive about society then okay if she's not if she just likes police <laughs> and mm -hmm. and hates religion you know that's too simple and too facile that's the problem you know yeah, you can write yeah, an anti-jedi yeah. story if it asks real deeper questions about who the jedi were right that's and fine this is, oh. no you go ahead I'm, I'm gonna say you know and i, I apologize if i feel like i'm putting everyone into a box i don't right. mean to but this is why i'm fascinated by acolyte yeah and you know it has an lgbtq writer yeah um most of the lgbtq stories um i don't want to say they're like anti-religion like i don't want to say that like they're like how dare you be religious but they do most of the bad guys are commentaries on the yeah. institution of religion you know kind of the priests who say you know who are very yeah. anti-gay and you know very much repress those people and the families who also like you come out and it's like oh you're you're you know, mm -hmm. the, you know no longer worthless so get out you know yeah, you know, so I'm, I'm very curious how she'll portray the Jedi and what her thoughts on it is. Like, is she does, does Leslie Hedden think the Jedi are the equivalent of those religious institutions that mm -hmm. have repressed LGBTQ plus for many years, or is she going to take more nuanced approach? I mean, I don't know. We're going to see a couple. If she's read all the higher Hollow books, which she has, uh, she'll right. have to make a claim to say they used to be completely affirming, and then they went off the rails somewhere. She'll have to do that because in the higher, they're completely, you know, especially for Padawans, right? You do, you go where you want, do, you know, do who you want. <laughs> um, uh, so there's that. That being said, if that's the story she chooses to tell, she's saying something constructive about society, you know? Um, she's saying something about, and it's, yeah, it's possible to say in the this specific way or in that specific way, the Jedi lost their way due to institutional choices, right? Um, Right. And that, that'll be something fascinating to talk about. Uh, and so, yeah, no, fair enough. Um, it's all Miri. I was just saying, it's all Miri. I don't know. That's one of those interesting ones because um, it does touch on. That's not just a detail to me. That just that actually touches on following the light and that the light in life. And if you're alive, uh, especially if you're an animal. Um, I know I got the Solomon right here. Um, I know. Uh, if I you're alive, then you know you can't be. I mean, you can be closed off to the forest, but you can't just naturally. I don't know. Anyway, that, that, oh. people have talked about that to death too. So anyway. I mean, I'll actually. I want to ask you something. I just thought about it right now. Yeah. I kind of got two more things, and then we'll probably wrap up. So you know, we're talking about paper cannon. And you know stuff like that, and I think this is kind of the most interesting because I think these books are the most unique out of any Star Wars books. Mm -hmm. Though I have myself my issues with them, but just because of their great reads. You've read the Zon stuff. What most does Zon really. stuff give you the vibe of? Because it is, yeah. Because the thing about Zon is he just has got you know he's has he gotten so far away from the Skywalkers and you know yeah. OT gang. He's sort of made this Chisiverse. I call it the Chisiverse because like this. You know about the chess and stuff like that. So, like, what is it? What is it, when you read him? Like, what do you? What's your vibe out of 
Tim Zahn. Yeah. It's like probably the sci-fi of Star Wars people. In light of this conversation, I'm realizing why I'm finding it so perplexing. (laughs) Because he doesn't really touch on these themes much at all. It is more this political intrigue. Except for characters like Vanto and like uh, like Thalius. Uh, Thalius? Yeah. Um, you know, who are are more relational, more relatable. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Is, is may, I mean, unless the whole point of it is it's the making of a villain, right? Which I don't think it is. Maybe that's why maybe I, can, I have to say there, this their success as Star Wars stories is limited in that way. The the original Thrawn novel really felt like a Star Trek novel. Really felt like this Imperial Starfleet is actually has these first contact procedures and they're trying to actually do their best to incorporate this new and different species that they a new life and new civilization. Um you know yeah Maybe that's the vibe. Is it's it's interesting, but of a limited success in the way. It, that's the thing we talk about canon, right? Thematic canon, fitting things together, in terms of what ultimately what Star Wars is about, namely connection and courage. And here is this Sherlock Holmes type character who is basically a computer. <laughs> you know, um, yes. Now, I will say the one parallel maybe has to do with the, the limiting power of institutions to actually mm-hmm. learn, dis- discover how to take action. And so that is maybe the ascendancy, uh, and the ascendancy leadership, and the syndics. They're, they, I mean, that's also the most interesting part of, of this to me is of that trilogy is uh, their inability to adequately take care of their people. Because they're so caught in family politics, so there, I mean, there's a parallel of the prequels set around the same time. So other right. than that, but other than that, yeah, it's hard to hard to really sink my teeth into. I mean, I I got halfway through um, Greater Good is the last mm-hmm. one. Um, then then Phase Two started, and so I stopped. But I yeah, I don't know. This is why I would love for you to one day read Air of the Empire mm-hmm. for a couple reasons. One, yeah. for like a couple of reasons, this is specific to you. One, mm-hmm. the, the whole Thrawn trilogy, I think, is Tim Zahn more intentionally, because I hate the first Star Wars book, so he's probably a bit more self-conscious of this, trying to really hone in on the vibe and tone and a feel of the original trilogy. You mean like, the, also, heir, like the Heir to the Empire novel? Right? Yeah, Heir to the Empire, right. last yeah. 1991. Yeah. And I love your vibe because a it's, it's the closest I think he and that's why I think that book is so successful because it's mm-hmm. sort of like yeah it's got the sci-fi stuff with yeah. <laughs> with cloning with Thrawn with the Asala Mary yeah um but it's also the, the most feel of the original trilogy mm-hmm. um but I also would love to see hear your take on it too because it is just the original trilogy they got the prequels weren't a thing yet so mm-hmm. anything that feels prequely probably doesn't even exist right um. So I would love to hear your your, your vibe on that, yeah. and um, you know, you talk about thematic consistency. That is that is sort of interesting, and that's sort of the I don't want to say the trade off, but certainly yeah. different from Legends, where authors very much 
kind of were allowed their specific vision of Star Wars to really come in. Yeah. Like some of the later indoor stuff gets mm-hmm. really interesting. You know, there's a hive mind villain species and stuff like that. I never read it, so I don't yeah. know kind of the, the vibe and tone and themes are. Mm-hmm. But it's it's certainly um interesting to be sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think the one thing that holds all these together, though, that held the EU together at its best, including especially the Throne Trilogy, was that it's still Luke Conley. It's still those yeah. characters. And so that, I mean, the characters, it had to be coherent and organic with what George told us, what gave us, what is oh. up to, what does he remember, how does he exploring. Leia as, I mean, I read the, the graphic novel, that adaptation, Leia as the daughter of, you know, as Lady Vader and grappling yeah. with that legacy. And I don't know. Um, so that's the thing is, is the Thrawn trilogy, it's still, again, I keep saying this, it's still Luke on Leia story. Um, whereas the new Thrawn trilogy is a Thrawn story. And does, does Thrawn work as a Star Wars? So Thrawn work as a Star Wars villain? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and we're going to see that come to fruition. <laughs> does Thrawn work as right. a Star Wars hero? I don't think so. I, I I don't know. I mean, I I don't think he's really the hero of those stories. I think everyone around him is the hero of these these stories. Like Vanto and and Arlani and Thalius and um in this other one, his cousin that kind of befriends him in, in greater good or, or lesser evil rather. The heroes of these stories. He's just there to move things along. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that kind of the role he'll probably play in the series in the movie. I mean, probably a bit more. No, he'll be the villain. That. That's the thing. He'll yeah, be yeah. the villain. That's different. Right. Yeah. Um, right. The, right. The, the one that all the main characters are reacting against. Right. You know, that doesn't, and that, I think, you know, there's definitely some differences. Like, Tim Thon kind of likes to make Thrawn, like, oh, he does care about civilian casualties. And then Filoni kind of like, nah, he doesn't. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I think there's going to be not, you know, he's not the emperor. So mm-hmm. that's what makes him unique. But I'll, I'll, yeah. Yeah, we'll get into this maybe on the 17th. Yeah. Um, but okay. um, I, when we were talking, one last, one last final thing. I tried to think about, you know, you talk about Roddenberry. I'm trying to think, you know, what what is George wrong on? You know, mm-hmm. like, what do I disagree with George about? Maybe Jack getting married. That's probably like my kind of like quibble thing. Yeah. Um, even redemption, though, I'm going to be honest, when it comes to the redemption thematics of Star Wars, mm. I think that's more on the fans. George himself has talked about how, you know, he said, I think we read an interview, like, Vader wasn't redeemed. You can't redeem all the killing and the monstrous acts, but yeah. you can stop it. And he I think if you kind of read it. By dying. <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he did get off easy by dying. And that's more of just a narrative, you know, mm-hmm. choice of, like, you kill off your villain, but you don't have him really face the consequences, like yeah. Kylo and a bunch of other characters in Star Wars over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, would love to see Ventures kind of live through it. Or, you know, what Kira yeah. could probably live through. Um, she, I mean, she's not really redeemed, but she's definitely alive. Um, yeah. uh, but, you know, that that sort of, you know, even George is like, you know, no, Anakin's still got, still got, you know, he, he's got some repenting to do in Force and 7. And Adam Christopher. Yeah. You want to talk about Purgatory. Purgatory and Star Wars, where Adam, Adam Christopher shows us this gray, murky, he has to live with, Anakin has to live with the legacy of Vader until maybe one day he's purified of it. Anyway. <coughs> right, so, you know, I, 
Oh, it's kind of funny how I feel like I agree more with Lucas in terms of like an original creator than like I did yeah. with most authors. So you know that that's the that's the spirit of Lucas. So, mm -hmm. um, oh yeah, I'm sorry. I did have one more thing. Yeah. I keep dragging final this thought. out, but the final thoughts and a letter from George himself, the maker who <laughs> sent the gang to the gang at Lost. A letter from George. He said, "Congratulations on pulling off an amazing show." Don't tell anyone. When Star Wars first came out, I didn't know where it was going either. The trick is to pretend you plant the whole thing out in advance. Throw in some father issues and references to other stories. Let's call them homages. And you got a series. From the words from, from George himself, our boy. Did our he actually read that? Yeah, he did. That's how you wrote. He wrote that with the letter to the Lost people. Oh, the, the, oh, the creators of Lost. As in J.J. Yeah. Abrams. And, yeah, okay. Abrams, <laughs> That one other yeah. show runner. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's that is that is that's from the makers himself. Fake yeah. it till you make it. There we go. Uh, Figure it out as uh, we go. We're making it up as we go along. Yeah. Best episode in all of Marvel One Division. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. Exactly. Uh, but you know, my final thoughts are, you know, I think the best we can hope for for Star Wars staying true to, to George's vision is not in terms of how you tell the story, how you execute the story. It's kind of what you're trying to tell. Obviously, you know, bringing your own ideas and themes along with it. That's mm -hmm. that's what we want. We like that's why I like last year. I do. It's like I it told George's theme, but Brian right. brought in his own ideas too. I think, um, mm -hmm. and you know, everyone else should as well. But you know, I think as long as you stick to those core values, like balance of the force, selfless, selflessness over selfishness, you know, kindness and community, that sort mm -hmm. of thing, you know, then you really stick true to what George's intent was. Um, it just kind and you know, you that's how you do it. That's I think that's how you stay true to George, but also you got to bring your own vision, you got to bring your own style of storytelling be it a book, comic, TV series, movie, video game, what have you. So mm -hmm. that's kind of how I've always felt about when someone says George's vision, that's what I feel, and that's how I see it. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, Follow the big themes, push the story as hard as you can, as far as you can, and uh, you'll get a good Star Wars story. Uh, I think that's a good uh, time to wrap things yeah. up right there. I um, agree. Yeah. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us, for sticking it out. Uh, yeah, let us know what you think. What do you think of the George Lucas vision is, what you think it should be, uh, whether or not what do you disagree you think with about George's vision. I what you disagree that. with. What you think is wrong about it, unhelpful to society? Uh, what you find inspiring and, and compelling about it? Um, we, yeah, let us know in the comments below in, on all these channels. Um, and also, please do give this video a like and a share. Subscribe to the channel. Follow these channels if you haven't done so already. Uh, Joel, where can they find you on the internet? Um, well, hopefully you can still find me at the Ion Cannon Pod, but with Twitter being what it is right now, I don't know how long I'm going to be on there. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll I'll stick the storm for sure, but it looks like it's going to get harder for me. You don't so find me at GID2021 on Twitter again, GID2021. I think private messaging still works, so you know I can always give you my info if you want. Follow me on other places, but primarily you can always find me at the SWU Discord. Um, this Friday, we will be having a game night. Uh, the announcement for it will happen probably around Thursday for what game we're going to play. Uh, it's between Apex, Fortnite, and Fall Guys. 
So, you know, get those ready on whatever console you choose mm -hmm. uh, and join us in our fun community. So, yeah. Yeah, and check the link below uh, for, for the Discord server. You'll, you'll get an invite. You'll see, see the rules. It's all standard. Uh, yeah, we're both in there. Joel more than me, but, you know, I'm there too. Um, you also follow, yeah, follow me on Twitter still uh, at NEUG45. Instagram at MNEUG1138. Um, I'm looking at, some, I guess, some other, mostly the other platform that just sprang up. I forget what it's called. Um, I'm, I'm on the wait list for it, whatever it's called. Blue Sky. I Blue think. Sky? Oh, yeah. yeah I, think, I got on the wait list for that. See what happens. If you have a Blue Sky invite, send it our way. <laughs> Why not? Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, please do follow us there and, you know, the, the Underworld Facebook page, Underworld Twitter, Underworld Twitch, or Iron Cannon Twitch, sorry, Underworld YouTube. Uh, next week, uh, I forget what we're talking about next week, but that's okay. Uh, I don't think we have a thing for next week. We'll, we we'll, figure, something week we'll figure something out next week. Um, maybe actually talking about something paper or something maybe, maybe it's jedi marriage we'll see uh think what, what happens um but yeah until then go great conversation keep the vision alive keep the flame alive but also explore your truth let's blow this thing and head home